0: Leadership is a series of behaviors that are exhibited regardless of rank and at every rank Mm -hmm. and the healthiest organizations have leaders at every level and good leaders know when to let other people lead, right? One of the fundamental cores to being a good leader is being able to get out of the way and not have to lead.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Kitchen Table. In this podcast, we sit down with leaders from across the country to talk all things leadership with one simple goal, to spread the leadership conversation in hopes to grow more leaders. I'm your host, Berlin Mazza, and today on The Kitchen Table, we welcome in Lieutenant Aaron Fields with the Seattle Fire Department and the OG of Nozzle Forward. Between his dad, brother, and himself, there is always someone in the Fields family working in the 5th Battalion. Aaron's aspiration has always been to ride on the back of Engine 28 allowing him to work in the neighborhood he grew up in. After time at 28th, Aaron moved to his dad's spot on Engine Company 13 at Battalion 5 headquarters. He is known for his dislike of the man, tendency to question authority, and zealous belief that good basics win. Aaron developed the skills shared in Nozzle Forward in an unrelenting pursuit of all things engine. Aaron has countless hours training hundreds of the firefighters at the Seattle Fire Department and every new recruit at their fire academy. Most of the hose handling techniques and deployments that each of us utilize today in our own organizations stem from Aaron's work with Nozzle Forward. Aaron Fields was the FDIC 2017 instructor of the year, and in his speech, he emphasized the saying: comfort is the enemy of growth. As you all know, on the kitchen table, every episode we talk about getting out of your comfort zone, and today is certainly no different. Good morning, Aaron, and thank you for taking the time to meet here on the kitchen table long time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for reaching out. Some Almost. of
0: that is some of that is uh, a little out of date as far as the uh, the fifth. My my father retired in August ago, um, and my brother went from firefighter to firefighter paramedic and is now riding on a Seattle medic unit for the last few years. So um, wow. No. yeah
1: yeah so Aaron's a lieutenant wow there's a lot of uh, a lot of good changes in the field's family that's awesome
0: literally the apocalypse is upon us
1: <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but that's yeah. good that's good whenever uh, uh when everyone can you know move up and move on whether it be in life or in the career that's always a good sign yep. um, and we always ice break this um so why change it today we are six days away from the super bowl kansas city chiefs and the philadelphia eagles so i'll ask aaron any uh any predictions for this weekend before we get going
0: yeah. Well, yes. And it, it is for a multitude of reasons, but the only other predatory bird in the NFL, other than my beloved mighty Seahawks <laughs> is the Eagles because the Falcons are kind of a small bird of prey. Uh, true. So I guess the Falcons kind of count. Maybe there, maybe there's 1.5 more uh, predatory uh, <laughs> birds. So I'm going to go with the Eagles uh, okay. and also being around when the Seattle Seahawks started, there is no way in hell I am ever going to root
1: for Kansas city.
0: Oh, all right. Cause there we were, go. we were AFC rivals. That's true. And they beat, they beat us up for a long time.
1: That is very true. And I never once thought of it that way, but I guess a true Seattle fan would say go Eagles. So I guess. Good go Eagles. Points. Good point. Yep. Well, there you go. There you have it, uh, folks. Uh six days so Super Bowl, if you're gonna put your money down. And if you're a Seahawks fan, I guess you have to go Eagles. There you go. That's awesome. Well, thank you again, Aaron, for uh taking the time out of I'm sure your very busy day and busy week and busy life. I do also hear that you're is it newly assigned to the training division or going back to the training division or well, so I was assigned as a firefighter um
0: for I did uh I was a full-time assigned for a year and a half and part-time assigned for another six, eight, nine months, um, which all counts. Uh, but when they, the, when, (laughs) when the list was got the lieutenant's list got to me, which, um, I'm sure there were people hoping that wouldn't happen. Uh, because it, 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 I was pretty far down the list, uh, they promoted me in August. And uh, once the way our rules work, uh, I stayed for the first part of the this, this last academy and now went out to the companies and been out in the companies again uh, since October. And then I'm going to be down at training division with the new recruits for the first four weeks of their getting them through the basic skills and drills of engine work. And then I'm back to the company, so
1: nice. Yep, awesome. Yep, there you it's go, a temporary assignment here. Yeah, they're obviously uh, they're going to be lucky they have had you. So, so nozzle four. So that sounds like that's been how many years now? Is that uh, was it 2011? Um, when did nozzle four? To, no, like, it. 6, it
0: uh, I I think we're in. Well, it might have been 2011, 2010. Okay, because uh, we're we're 12, almost 13 years. Um, okay and you know i think the the cool thing about it is that we've never despite you know what people think despite what people think we've never done any advertising yes and frankly uh, my i nothing on youtube is done by us no we don't have t-shirts and stuff like that that promote ourselves we simply go and do the work and then you know and somebody right. passes it on so I, it's pretty well established that I never intended to teach a class. Um, I was developing skills after having some pretty negative experiences early on. And, uh, somebody asked me to show something and I did, and it was gone from there. And at the end, conservative estimates, actually, one of the guys was doing the math, uh, conservative estimates have us at at last, the end of last year at roughly 60,000
1: firefighters, 60,000 firefighters. Wow that's amazing now is that is it globally as well or is it nationwide only um no we we
0: we do a lot in canada uh as well they are canada's kind of going through a renaissance in their fire service much like the u.s and you know the canadian fire service has some stuff that they do very well uh that we should be looking at and we have some stuff that they should be looking at and so the they're kind of I mean, the easiest way to say it is they're kind of a split identity between kind of more of the European model and the the U.S. model. Uh, but, you know, we did we taught in Calgary and Edmonton last year. We've been in Sarnia. We've been in Vancouver area, V.C. multiple times, Ontario, uh, New Brunswick. So. We're, you know, we started in Canada first class ever was in, uh, Jeff brought us into, uh, uh, Sarnia and that was eight years ago. And since then we're doing about, about 30%, 20 to 30% a year in Canada. And then just recently, which is a really interesting thing. I got contacted from Western Europe and, And that's a big thing because they have, I mean, many of those countries have been, you know, kind of openly critical about sure. our our methodology. And now that they're building, they're building uh, North American style structures, they are passing legislation that requires um our lines. They're not using the little high pressure. They're not, well, not as much. They, they still use them, but, uh, and in some of their buildings, it makes total sense why you would use them. I guess, you know, my position has always been, I'm not sure why we would like, we wouldn't take a cricket bat to a baseball game or a baseball game right. to a cricket bat. So or a cricket game. So both techniques and tools are appropriate in certain settings, but ours isn't that setting. We have great, our, our buildings burn. They're largely constructed with wood. They're larger spaces than, you know, 400 year old stone buildings. And as they've gotten, as Europe, Western Europe has started to build to our building code, there's been an in, an increase in interest in what we're doing because they don't handle uh inch and three quarter and two and a half. So they are, you know, all, hose reels with wow. 50 gallons a minute. And so wow. they need, so it looks like we might be going over there as well. There's been interest in several different countries, so we'll see. And okay. then I've been contacted by several places in South America.
1: Wow. Honduras. So uh, yeah. expanding to um, several other countries and uh, uh, semi-global, but soon to be fully global, sounds like.
0: I think it's testament, right, really, yeah. to – I mean, there's, there's – we're going through the third epoch of information exchange, like the massive cultural massive communicative massive uh, deliberate misinformation has happened in three different times on par with what's going on now which is one the advent of the printing press and then the television so with the internet i think what's the 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 cool thing about it there's negatives, but one of its positives is the ability to transmit information rapidly. And the world has gotten a lot closer. Yeah. And the way that you and I are doing this right now, yeah. I mean, we aren't physically that far apart, but this yeah. is, these kinds of things have become op- options. And so, and in a weird way with regards to our industry, it's going to be beneficial Yes, because we've been gener- We have been, um, of fratish, like where you're from, where you work, you're geographically and generationally isolated. And now I think what we're going to find is we're going to have a more universal approach to fire yeah. attack and, and the job, the for you know, the, the scale and scope of the things that have to happen because yeah. we're going to be able to compare. Exactly. Uh, the big thing though, for us is we have to become better trainers and better mm-hmm. learners because what we try to do is pull in uh, techniques and techniques are mm, ideationally isolated and systems draw neural connections between known things and procedures are and and, in firefighting is actually a series of algorithms it's like a rubik's cube number of blocks the colors all defined the way they move defined it's the ability to look at things in terms of systems and basing it off a probable to possible model is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to become frankly more scholarly uh, because it's super easy just to say, well, I don't like it because we've never done it. And that's not an, a, that's actually not a trades like approach. If they, you know, yeah. otherwise we wouldn't be using all kinds of things that we're using. And, and so, I mean, it's, it's, we're at a, We're at a juxtaposition, which I think is going to be interesting. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, I'm happy to have had my career in this period of time. Um, But, you know, I won't be around to see the full extent of what's happening. So yeah, Yeah. what's to come. And, And it's, it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's, it's neat. And I think that some of the message that the nozzle forward Cadre has and the skill sets that we have um, are going to contribute to the way that people do skills, at least on some scope and scale, forever. Because we are we are using actual mm, human behavior psychomotor skill acquisition models, not just here's another technique. Exactly. And by the way, here's a t-shirt that goes with it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, then I mean, as you talk about like, you know, the ability to talk here on this Zoom call this morning. I mean, it's 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 not too far-fetched to think that, whether it be Europe or Canada or South America or globally, that people haven't heard of the nozzle forward or the, the techniques that you're using now. So it is uh, it is exciting to see what is to come and where the fire service goes. But like you said, it takes a little bit of um, maybe call it ego check or to see, you know, what gets adopted where. So it'll be interesting. And skin. And yeah, skin. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's – uh... And, and the
0: other thing, Berlin, I think that it takes, and I, I had a pretty negative interaction with a couple of um, Europeans years ago. And I think the thing is manners. Yeah. Like when you come in to my home, don't put your feet up. Yeah. And please, and thank you and assuming the best rather than saying people don't know what they're doing and yeah. and all that is a really good place to start. And you know, when you couple that behavior with our disposition in, in the region that you and I live in, which is, you know, we cut a city out of the woods less than 200 years ago. Yeah.
2: So the, exactly.
0: there's a certain degree of pioneer hardiness and put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes uh, yeah. as my mom, as my mother, I'm paraphrasing my mother when I say that manners are the oil that lubricates society yeah. and without the threat of violence there is no such thing as a civil society and love it and so when people start these conversations they have to start them from a position of manners no yeah. matter what you think manners are important because without them you're going to end up in a fight and uh and and so, you know, that's, I think that's the other thing is like the negative of the internet is that it's, it's stripping away manners. People think they can say whatever they want in any set of context because it's their freaking opinion and yep. their opinion might be wrong. And yep. secondly, even if it's right, have the, have some dignity and grace. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't, you know, you might get someone that's from Seattle area. That's a little older and longer in the tooth. Emailing you privately and saying you and I are going to be in the same city. Do you want to meet? Because yeah. we can sort this out. Exactly. Which, in my, in in honesty, is probably not my greatest moment. But uh, but nevertheless, I'll put my money where my mouth is. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't and be uh, rude.
0: It's a bad yeah. decision.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um, for those that, for those that don't know, and I uh, I first heard about Nozzle Ford years ago. You know when. Um, uh, even before I went through the nozzle board class back in when, when, when was that 2015 or 16? I yep. remember my wife was uh, telling me uh, when she was telling me about your class and when, you know, she had, you know, when she worked with Rhonda and uh, she had mentioned, you know, this Aaron Fields and he, the, the, uh, the, the nozzle forward program, the techniques with the advantage and the mechanical advantage of, of, a lot of the moves and techniques was drive from jujitsu. Is that correct? Or um, was it, was, so, yeah, I have a, um,
0: I'm a I'm a grappler, and and I started in very traditional, heavy focus standing, heavy focus ground judo, and then in uh, ninety that was in the eighties, and then in ninety early nineties, I started doing uh, some BJJ cross training in BJJ, and then in the mid nineties I was cross training in freestyle, and then in the later to mid nineties I went overseas and did. judo and uh, Russian samba with the, the national team of the country I was living in. So, okay. you know, I think that a lot of times when I'm talking, I, I, I just kind of refer to wrestling because wrestling okay. is, is all those sports are wrestling sports. They are grappling sports. And to the layman, there's a lot of differences. To someone that knows what they're doing or and it, it's whether or not you're wrestling in pajamas or yeah. you're wrestling in a singlet and the rules define the specialties but because like judo and jiu-jitsu for example come from the same fountainhead they all come from the same source yeah. and jiu-jitsu is focused on the ground and judo modern judo is focused on the, the standing game but they they cross over the skills cross over they're the same skills just with a different emphasis yeah and different specialties that arise so yeah. um yeah i but i'm mostly a pajama gr- wrestler so and and really what that is right is it's I mean, yes, the movements are cored from that, but really more, more than being direct translations, they are having spent a, a, effectively a lifetime yeah. studying mm-hmm. and practicing for leverage. Um, you know, how the body moves its relationship to force and direction is the root of all grappling sports. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was watching my mentors do movements, I was, my brain naturally goes, well, your elbows more than a hand and a half away from your hip, which means this and your, your weight is forward, which means in order to transfer it off and back. So really it's a process of uh, the methodology of movement that I learned. And uh, through the grappling sports, yeah. I took the engine, the, the, the hose work and the engine stuff and just, and just
1: translated it through the through the same medium well and it makes sense i mean because obviously coming from what you said you know grappling sport is you know a lot of the stuff you know with hose handling but i mean even when you talk about anything in the fire service really it's um when you talk about you know good body positioning posture technique i mean you could yeah. use all that to your advantage if you know what you're doing and so when i had first heard that you know where a lot some of this technique came from and i heard a little bit about your background it all made sense i was like ah This is where this came from. It makes sense why it works. And that's why I think it's important that I think everyone, I mean, in our academies here, we teach the nozzle forward and all our host handling techniques five years ago, or we'll say seven years ago, it wasn't the case. So I think Mm -hmm. it just goes to show that, that, you know, these techniques come from somewhere of, of meaning and it makes sense. And it's, 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 it's the wave of the future, if not already. So. uh,
0: And we've had it.
1: um, We've
0: had studies done um where with uh kinesiologists and physiologists where they look at what we're doing yeah. and they look at what the uh, what the source material is exactly and they have no dog in the the fight right they aren't firefighters they they're just looking purely at the body structure yep and you know it, and it shows in in um you know according to our disability officer um We are have since the, we've been doing this, the injuries and strains and wear of of things in the yep. Seattle Fire Department is down with regards to hose. We not you know that people get hurt in our academies, but largely it's doing other skills. It's not doing hose work and. You, you know, you you need your body for your life, and just because somebody's big and strong, I mean, anyone that says they're big and strong and doesn't need technique has never been on a real fire, yeah. because y- your muscles are gone. You're you're if it's if you're really working, and you're not tired when you come out, you weren't really working. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to keep the heart rate down and the body and the joints protected and and all that has been. Uh, is, is big, you know, and, and the the comparison, the kinesiologists and physiologists to a person are like, yep, nope, this makes sense. This is look at, you're not over rotating. Look, nothing's out of torque. Everything's in line. The body is naturally structured to absorb that impact and transfer it away from the joints into the, the long bones. And those bones are kept in line. I mean, really from a, from purely a, a, a practitioner perspective, um, grappling is much more difficult because the movement is way more dynamic. The, the engine work is basically to one of two directions, yeah. and that's not <laughs> too tough to deal with. You know, when somebody's like, "Oh my God, the two and a half bores for two sixty-five is going to be like ninety-five pounds of nozzle reaction," I'm like, "Oh, you mean like a middle schooler trying to take me
1: down?" <laughs> oh dear, I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> know what you're doing, know what you're doing, uh, do know your yep. equipment, know your own technique, and uh, and, you, and you'll be okay. Um, yep. But let's, uh, I want to jump right into this. So Aaron, you're uh, 22 years in the fire service, yes? Or yep. 22 years in Seattle, yep. um, and you're newly promoted. But we always talk about this on this podcast with leading from where you are. So you did 21 years, we'll say, as a firefighter, right? And yep. you and I had a conversation Um earlier, and you had talked about, there's no such thing as an informal leader. And I love that concept because leading, you're either leading or you're not. It's, 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 it leading is, is something that you do, right? We've always, we've all heard the, we've all heard the the phrase, you know, leadership is a choice that you make. It's not a rank that you hold. So you were a firefighter for over two decades, leading, leading people, leading organizations, you know, like we said, globally, nationally, you know, by, by your message, by your, by what you teach with Knowledgeable Forward. so. Talk to us a little bit about that concept of, you know, leading is not informal. It's something that we all can do. And you did it for 20, over 20 years as a firefighter.
0: Yeah, I think that um, in the fire service, we have a tendency to, um, at least my fire department, and it's getting better in Seattle for sure, but it isn't there yet, which is that traditionally, we followed British nautical law. Your, your officer is master and commander next to God and what they say goes. And apparently we had this kind of dogma of once you're promoted, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And, and that, you know, I'd been told by multiple people at multiple ranks, well, if you want to have an impact, you really need to promote. And I think they're wrong. Mm Uh, you, the, there's no such thing as informal leadership. It's, it's really when people say that, it's almost a backhanded comment. It's almost like saying uh, you, and, and I don't think everyone that says it intends it. I think that most people that say it are spitting it out because it's a phrase they've heard before and they haven't given it much thought. Mm-hmm. But by saying informal and somehow I imply that that person's contribution as a leader is less significant than mine because of my rank or whatever. And that's wrong. It's, it's fundamentally flawed. I, I mean, I've mentioned this in, in every program I do. I, I think the single best mission statement ever written that I've read is Warfighting fighting by the United States Marine Corps, which I believe was written in 76. I read it about once a year. And, and what I love about it is it's so uh, semantically, it doesn't deviate. Like to write a document that's almost, you know, 30, 50, 60 years old that has, I mean, 76, right. Mm -hmm. Um, that has the same semantic implication and semantics are the secondary meanings, not the primary meanings. And they're usually locked in some degree with cultured time and place. And to write something that is so articulate and, and specific technical, Um, is it's, it's really, uh, something else. And, you know, I've written for, for publication I've written in my, my, not only in the fire service, but in my, my academic life I've, I've published and in, and I know what it is to publish and how to work with editors and, and all that. And, you know, to look at what they did is just like, Oh, that's, that's really cool. And what it does is it defines who they are, what they do, their mission. And then they define kind of how they go about it. How do you prepare for uh, war in times of peace and what leadership is? And, and, in, and I take a lot of inspiration from that approach, which is leadership is a series of behaviors that are exhibited regardless of rank and at every rank mm-hmm. and the healthiest organizations have leaders at every level and good leaders know when to let other people lead. right? One of the fundamental cores to being a good leader is being able to get out of the way and not have to lead to turn it over to somebody. There's always got to be a leader, but it shouldn't always be the same person. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our company officers and officers in the fire service suffer from the fact that most firefighters, I mean, you look at the numbers, the numbers don't change. The neighborhoods that burn change. Most firefighters aren't seeing oodles of fire duty never have and never will. So their position is largely for many of us theoretical and, and, and so that anybody that's offering something to someone that is maybe less than super confident because their experience is not on par with their time, Mm -hmm. because those two things in the fire service, we correlate, they're not correlated. And, and so you know to let somebody else be to have somebody else come up with the solution is in some way undercutting our authority which isn't about the organization or the mission it's about our own ego and so when someone says well you're it's informal so i'm because i was impacting things from a firefighter rank it's not the same and and it, you know that the chain of command isn't a top down it's on grade Mm -hmm. And it's equal. It moves in both directions equally well. And I am as responsible to the chief as the chief is to me Mm -hmm. and fundamentally good leaders know what their scale and scope is and to get out of the way when it's outside your scale and scope and to let other people take the lead. And that's, that doesn't take away from your credibility as a leader. It actually adds to it. And And we, and, That's, that's something that I think, I mean, I had a chief once tell me that, you know, that he appreciated my informal leadership and I I know him, we're pals. It wasn't meant as a backhanded comment, but uh, it is. And so, and so I kind of made this argument and he looks at me and he goes, God damn it, Fields, you know what I meant? I'm like, yeah, I know what you meant. And he's like, that's a semantical argument. And I'm like, chief, I'm a linguist. Every argument is an argument of semantics. And that is the point. Uh Right. It's semantics. And, and what, what we meant to say and what was said or heard are often different things. As far as the characteristics, I think it's fairly simple. It's model behavior that you aspire to explain it, not who you are, who you wish you were. Uh, and the other one is assume the best, Assume the best of people until proven otherwise. I mean, yeah, I
1: love that. and,
0: and, and act like an adult, like get your emotions in check. I mean, some of the, the bumps and my time in training has been fantastic overall, but some of the bumps are because when people get frustrated, they start lashing out yeah. and, 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 and I will be very clear and was very clear with them that that won't happen ever again. I didn't do anything. It was a problem in the chain of command with communication. It had nothing to do with me. And I'll be damned if you're ever going to speak to me like that again. And, and that's, you know, and it's like when people get stressed, they get combative. They, they assume it's almost like they're assuming the worst. And it's like, what fucking behavior have I ever exhibited that that would indicate to you that I am not in it for the right reason, or that I'm taking unnecessary risks or doing, you know, I've only tried to uphold the reason that I'm doing my job, which is whatever that mission is. Right. And that's it. Leadership at every level, largely revolves around the ability to identify what the mission is and that if whatever's going on, isn't helping the mission, then it falls down the food chain as, as a priority. Everything is about the mission. And when people get up, you know, they, I've heard multiple times because I wasn't an officer that, well, when you become an officer, you'll understand. It's like, what, what part of having run a gym for since 94 and opening it in Seattle in 98 till 2020, when we willingly, not because we ran out of business, but because we chose to close it. What part of, 60,000 people in, in implementation and in 400 plus fire departments and an active staff of 18 throughout the country. What part of that would indicate that I don't understand logistics? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, just because I haven't done it here and every time you try to do it and then you get told you can't then, and, and then you get told you should because
1: you can it's, it's like fuck, people just, just figure out what the mission is and uphold the mission. Well, it's because it's, it's, it, we talk about this in literally in every single episode, we talk about that organizations not only have leaders of, in all ranks, but they have to have leaders in all ranks, right? I mean, imagine, you know, you have a crew of three, you know, your firefighter is not a good leader, right? Or your engineer is not a good leader. And your only leader is your company officer. Like what what kind of a crew would that look like? So in all different aspects, we all need to have leaders at all the ranks to be successful. And that goes not just in the fire service, but in any industry. And um, so, um, but go- th- on the same on the same hand, on the same hand, just because you have rank doesn't mean you're a leader. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. It's it's a series of characteristics that are exhibited at every level, and every agency should wish and hope and develop and promote with from within, both formally and 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 and, and formally, not yeah. informally. It's formally and formally. Like just because someone doesn't promote doesn't mean they're less important. Like. If that's the case, then, you you know, currently on the back of Seattle fire engines, I've trained almost everybody Mm -hmm. like 500 of our people have less than five years right now. It's, it's scary, but they're, they've all gone. So the ability for the chiefs and the administrative and the company officers to make tactical decisions comes from the technical ability of the people below them without like it's, I mean, the analogy you and I talked about earlier was if you have Dave Craig Mm -hmm. who had small hands, you couldn't really throw the long ball. Tactics of the Seahawks were limited by the ability of their people to operate. Like what, like what football team goes, this is what we're going to do regardless of whom we have on the field. That's not how it works. So by growing a technically competent uh, body of firefighters, you open up the ch- the ability for the chiefs to be tactically fluid. Yeah. You can't open up the playbook a little bit. You yeah. open up the playbook. You can stretch yeah. the field yep. when you have people that can do the the very limited number of things that we need to do well. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of times it's human nature, right? As you move and your job description changes, whatever your job is, is singly the most important thing. Exactly. But fundamentally what is the most important thing is how your job relates to the mission of the fire department. And that's, that's where we get convoluted. We start worrying about, you know, yeah, as an analogy,
1: we worry about decon lines more than we worry about attack lines. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. So well, then we also, so,
1: and we also talk about, you know, whatever that position is, it should be difficult as well. Like if you are just, just use the example, if you're you know, you're a firefighter, I mean, that should be a difficult uh, you know, position, you know, with the task that you, that you're assigned, and then you become, you know, you know, you go to the training division, you become a lieutenant, you become a training officer, whatever it may be, that should then be your next, that should then be your, your next task. That is also very difficult, right? You shouldn't be moving to positions that then become easier, right? I mean, there's always a challenge ahead of you, no matter the role or rank that you're in and leaders find ways to make it, challenging because it's supposed to be a challenge to be, you know, to lead in those roles, because obviously if you're, if it becomes easy, you know, are you doing it ineffectively? Yeah. I think, I think also that we have
0: the idea that there's a pyramid, there's a hierarchy, there's a hierarchy of scale and scope. I don't worry about the annual budget. Never will. Is that important? Hell yeah. Yeah. That's really important. But you know what else is important? knowing how to talk on the radio and knowing how to throw a ladder. And yep. none of those things are more important than the other. And so, and, and really what we need to be doing is the hierarchy of what's difficult and what's not. Everything has its things. And so really it, it's issues, right? So it, whatever, what we need to be saying is what's the mission. Yes. What is the mission and whatever I'm doing, be it the budget or throwing ladders it's about which I wouldn't do for the record. I would pull hose, but, uh, only, <laughs> only in dire circumstances would I throw a ladder, but that's truck <laughs> I, I, I leave it for them. right. But, um, but my point being is that if it promotes the primary mission and every rank, every scale, every scope that we have within the fire department has the same primary mission. It's different ways to address it. And what happens is as people move up and then they start to let they get, they get distracted and they're distracted because they think one of my, um, yeah, it, they think that all this information can, they can move it and they can it, with it, with humans, regardless of technology, there is a time that it takes yeah. for everything. It takes a certain amount of time and you can't speed it up. You can, After a certain point, you can cut the fat from whatever it is you're doing. You can get really good at your, your implementation models and all these things. You can be the most efficient, effective that you can be, Mm -hmm. but there still is time that takes time. And what happens is, as people get into these roles and they are getting 50 emails a day. Well, how many of them are important? What did you set out to do today to support the mission and the other ones? Well, they can wait. And, you know, a lot of times I, you know, I, it sounds easy, but uh, it is like, I play this exact model in real, in my home life, like where, you know, I'm doing, I'm moving and I'm doing a lot of things. I'm doing things, but, uh, whatever is in front of me is my primary focus. And, and when, while it's in front of me for its duration, that it's in front of me, it is my primary focus. And then when it is no longer the primary focus, it gets put somewhere else on priorities. And like, you know, sometimes people that, um, are trying to get a class or something that don't have never spoken with me, get frustrated because they send me an email and it's four days before I get back to them. Well, here's the thing. I only do digital, if you need me call me because I only do emails and 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 text messages three times a week and I do them for two hours maximum. Love because that. if I do more than that what ends up happening is oh I'll just do one more I'll do one more what do yeah. and at the end of the day you're like I didn't get anything that I intended to get done done. Yeah. Because yeah. people can't be quiet you got it's this whole concept of you know discipline it's that's it that's a fundamental core to what we're talking about is personal discipline. Like, absolutely.
1: I want to punch this person, I want to yell back, yeah. but I'm not going to. Right. You're I not want to in. Want... You're gonna have your own discipline, absolutely. And it's, I love what you're saying about it. You're talking about boundaries. You're always, you're talking about time management as well. It's like, don't confuse being busy as, be, you know, as progress. Right. Like, right. just because you're busy all day long doesn't mean you're getting things done all day long. And, and it's almost weird, Berlin, yeah. in that you know, you think
0: about it there are people in our society that judge their worth by how difficult it is. How many times have you heard someone be like, Oh dude, you know, I play in softball and fucking no fear. That's why I'm all tore up. That's why my knee's bad. That's why my shoulder's (laughs) out. It's like, listen, if you can't play and not be hurt, you're doing it wrong. Like it's a cult of in it's a cult
1: of injury. It's a cult of how yeah. complicated it's a cult of yeah. how busy, not how effective just because you're busy doesn't mean you're effective. Right. And don't nope. get too confused. And that in fact, that there couldn't be, couldn't be more wrong, right? You can have the most effective people, but the most efficient people as well. Right. It, I mean, it goes to, if you can get your work done in four hours, why am I going to be at the office for eight? It's like, if you're there eight hours every day, like you should be getting twice as much done as me if I'm there for four, but if, if but if you're not, you're wasting your time is what you're doing. You're being bad with your own time management is what you're doing.
0: Well, and I think there's a, there's a mistake that we, I mean, I I think it's a semantic, I mean, back to semantics. I think that that what's the semantical implication of effective. Yeah. Herman complete high quality. What's the semantical equip, uh, implication of efficient, fast, cheap, fast food is efficient food. We shouldn't be doing efficient. We should be doing effective because at the end, a slower, more effective takes less total time to accomplish the mission because you're doing it right. The first, be it a job, big or small, do it right or not at all. And people just, they, you know, check one box when there's, 50 things that they have to check, like finish that shit
1: and then yeah, move on finish. to the next thing exactly. yeah, God, for God's
0: it. sake. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I love this next part here, Aaron. And uh, I was, I was listening to some of your, you know, your publications, your writings, and been listening to you a little bit and following you this part. It says uh, you've mentioned it and it's hard to believe you've been accused of being antisocial. I'm sitting here as we chat. i I find that hard to believe, but where that goes, where I'm going with this is, when you went out and i remember when you you know you talked and you had went out and studied you know when you first started nozzle ford and you were totally immersed in the engine company operations and you would travel the country to take classes to learn more and just to immerse yourself in in, in all of that work and i remember you had said like you know after classes guys would go out for beers and you're be like no i'm gonna go sit at the hotel room i'm gonna i'm gonna go you know study more i'm gonna take notes i'm gonna study my, no- my notes and it would. you were all about you know learning things to then, you know, get it into your, you know, your memory. And because then you would, you you'd want to fully, you know, take advantage of the experience. And you had made the comment that not every instructor is qualified to be an instructor, but yet that's exactly what happens oftentimes in the fire service. Um, and so talk to us a little bit about that, because obviously here's a guy that, you know, has this national and globally, you know, um, successful program, if you will. And, you know, FDIC, all the above, right? You're an instructor of instructors Um, and yet you say not every instructor should be one. So talk to us about, because instructor, sorry, leaders are instructors, right? Leaders are teachers, leaders are mentors, right? Talk to us about that.
0: So I think there's several points, right? Which is uh, why? I mean, with that, the first question you have to ask is for me, is do I think I have something to offer or do people ask me about something? And I think, I mean, mean, this is, and I want to, let me step back. Let me preface this by saying I am not judging someone else's subjective choice, but I am objectively evaluating my own disposition on this. So people can disagree with me on this and and I'm okay with it. But I think if we're, if we're speaking frankly, that if people need to be students and once you get further up the food chain, then you can share if people are asking. And I think, um, and if there's an opportunity to offer, but, the there's something going on in the fire service that is fundamentally flawed, which is that we train unlike every other psychomotor based. We are the one thing that's not like the others. Nobody else practices like we do, which tells you we're doing it wrong. One, two, what's the standard? And if there is no standard, then, and you're showing a collection of technique, you're neurologically not mapping algorithmic decisions. And that's the fundamental, I, I think one of the major differences in in what we're doing is that one, it's not ever Aaron Fields. It's the nozzle forward, which is made up of 18 people that really we're not, we're not a teaching cadre. We're a bunch of friends in a think tank and th- that my folks that instruct with me are really phenomenal. Like if I wasn't there, I have no question that it's going to go well. I know what they're going to say. They know what I'm going to say. And so this development of this core group and a way of thinking has led into uh, rescue adaptation, has led into the rule of threes, has led into, um, you know, Jordan Leegan compounding, uh, the rule of threes with his architectural background and masters in architecture and, and what that means with getting lost inside smoke and identification of angles and all of these things that it's this it's a procedural based thing. And the fire service likes, loves it. Technique, Mm -hmm. another tool in the toolbox. Cute. I know plenty of people that have a thousand tools and can't frame a wall. I can frame a wall. My kids can frame a wall with three tools and a speed square. I don't need a lot of tools. It's, it's an arms race. And a lot of people identify what it is they do in opposition to other people, which is weird. Mm -hmm. Like identify what you do by what you do, not in opposition to yes. And what happens is, is people, and this is a complaint of mine, people, there's a, there's no real good term I've ever read, but there's a, something about, Um, with psychomotor skill, there's no one way that people refer to it. It doesn't have a jargon yet, but that really there's an idea of physiological continuity. And so people teach a technique here and a technique there and a technique there. And it's completely devoid of of context. What, why, when, how that's how you teach psychomotor skills every time, regardless of skill. If I'm going to teach a single leg, that's how I'm going to teach it. If I'm going to teach my kid, uh, with playing lacrosse. Cause I played it. That was my team sport. Then I'm going to show it in the same way. I coach it that way. When I'm coaching, uh, I am going to, I'm going I'm to coach with an elite team in the area or a, a select team in the area. And, and when I, I coach everything the same way and I learn it the same way, and that's the fundamental thing, G- the best instructors are constantly learning because they recognize that the, the, the beginning mind sees thousands of options and the experienced minds knows there's very few. If you're really working a system, your program shouldn't be more complex. It should be simpler. It should be clearer, more, more literate, yeah. and it should cut the, you know? And so and a lot of the folks are just do it instead of this is how you do it. This is when you would do it now. And, and, and they watch these drills. I mean, there was a guy that once said that people that had taken our class, we're moving too fast. And I'm like, well, they're moving within heart rate. They're moving in within, um, they're not in hypoxia. They're able to make their heart rates are down because they're just moving more rapidly because they're doing three things really, really smooth. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, is it, is it, are they moving? Are they making mistakes? Are they accomplishing the the drill that you've set up for them? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, then it sounds to me like your drill's too easy if they're not making mistakes and they're not using all their air when they're done, they're like, yeah, I want to go again. Hmm. Who, for whom was moving too fast? Yeah, exactly. Right. What do you, maybe it's that you don't recognize what you're looking at. And, and so it seems fast, but all of these things compound. And I think the, um, I, you know, I've, it's something I've said publicly and I'll say it again. I think that if you were to go into, a <laughs> a freestyle gym for seventh and eighth graders anywhere in the United States, you'd largely get better coaching at a JV or at a junior junior high level than you do in the fire service, because we don't do context. We do technique. Oh, you learned another technique. And by the way, because you, you you didn't actually learn anything that connects the techniques. The only thing we're going to connect you to is a sticker and a cute ass saying. And it's like, and people it's, it's weird. I've watched it happen. Like people that I know are good dudes or good yeah. pe- folks and they yeah. get out there and they start, everybody starts calling them and, and wanting them to come talk. And, and what ends up happening is, is now they become experts on everything. And, and, and commenting on things that you know it's like whoa i i would never comment on that i mean these are the i, I speak about a very few limited things because i have some experience in it yeah. um but other than that i got i got no commentary on on truck work there's yeah. better you know or whatever so i think a lot of times um you know with as far as your first part of this question was the antisocialness i'm i'm not antisocial what I am is mission driven. And when I go to a class, it's not about beers and telling war stories and walking around the, the the bar trying to pick up on people. It's, it's, I don't, it is, I am here for a mission. And what I have is a a series of notes from uh, myself, my instructors. I took notes on every major event that I had in the first five years, Uh, because the one thing about taking notes Is it anchors it in your mind accurately or more accurately? It's been proven. If you don't write things down, Mm -hmm. your memory of things morphs dramatically. It still morphs when you write it down, but it's substantially less. And uh, so what I would always do is I'd go back to the the hotel and I would take notes on things and then I would sleep on it and then I'd get up and then I'd keep the notes. I keep the notes for about six months. And then because I'm not a pack rat, I just get rid of them. And if I notice something showing up multiple times, then I fix it. And if I notice things are working well multiple times, then I reinforce it. And, and, you know, I, um, also, I, I'll be honest, like if, if we're going to go out to dinner and we've been doing engine company stuff all day, I don't want to talk fire department. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm you're like, i I know everybody's got their guy. You, you would not believe how many times I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got this one guy. It's like, <laughs> everybody has that guy. Everybody like, does. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, if people want to be social, then let's not go out and act like peacocks strutting around. Let's go out and act like normal people and, exactly. and, and have dinner and then get to bed early because yeah. there's more work to do tomorrow. Yeah. And then the other one that really, you know, irks me is, uh, not irks me. That's not the actual, that's not a good way to say it. One of the things that always makes me raise an eyebrow is there is this subtext in the fire service. That's super weird. And that's the, um, a fire instructor is like a sage, especially as you get older. And when I was, 35 and 40, it, this didn't happen as much, but now I've watched it happen to other people. And now it's starting to happen to me, which means I must be getting old, but it's like these young firefighters come and they're They're asking life fucking advice. It's like, dude, like I can tell you, I can share with you what I've done, but I'm not a sage. I'm not sitting at the top of the mountain waiting for people to sit underneath with cross legs and listen to everything that it's like, I am a, I'm a technician. I am a journeyed firefighter and these are the skills that we do. Mm -hmm. And this is how we do them. This is when we do them. This is how we introduce them. But there's this weird like cult of personality thing in the, in the fire service that has this. And I think it's because we view our industry as something that it's not. I mean, we are closer to plumbers than we are to Knights of the Round Table. Mm-hmm. And how many firefighters say things like, well, they should appreciate me for things that you probably won't do. Is that what we're, we're appreciating you for? Like, yeah. like we take on this kind of Harrow mantle and it's, it's propagated within our industry and it's propagated from our communities because they don't actually know what, what we do. Yeah. And so when you couple that with, boy, I'm looking for something and these people pontificate on all kinds of things, it it leads to this really weird, like, it's just almost like, you know, in the, uh, there was this weird documentary that I watched that was super cool. It was about this guy that was a yogi and how he created, this is early on in yoga's in the, but he created this, this cult of, of yoga. And he was like, he was like sin and debauchery behind, <laughs> behind closed doors. Right. <laughs> but people were like feverant and, and like, Oh, he's so smart. And he's, he's in life. It's, I don't think we're that bad, but we're pretty close. I mean, and I think that's, it's hard there because you confuse myth with reality mm-hmm. and what we should be saying is, yes, I have some fluidity in these skills. These are the skills. Yeah. As far as the meaning of life, like, or, you know, lamenting that somebody was, you know, they're just, they've just got a nose for it and all this kind of gibberish. Like when I came in, I didn't need a dad. Mm-hmm. I had one. I needed, I needed technical professional mentors. Yes.
1: yes not absolutely. life mentors. I don't need life coaches. Someone teach me the <laughs> profession. Someone show me the way Some you know, show me how to, how to do this job. Right. I mean, Right. Uh And when I was journeyed in a trade,
0: they never just said, do this. They said, this is why we're doing this. This is how you do it. This is when you would do it. Now let's move on. Now we add another one of those skills and now we connect the skills and before long you're performing the trade and you're performing the trade on a standard with everyone else in, in that is in that trade. So,
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, that's, I think that's, you know, I think a lot of times this, this goes to leadership because it's an abuse. It's, it's, it's an abuse of leadership rather than like, Hey, the best thing a leader can say, the thing that adds more credibility to, well, I guess there's two, I'm sorry. I didn't live up to my own standard Mm
1: -hmm. and I don't know. Yes. Great question. Let's figure it out. Yes. Yes. And that's, I think that's key. I mean, and we hear it all the time. It's just because you you know you promote up, say you're a lieutenant, a captain, a chief. I mean, it doesn't mean you have all the answers. Some humility goes along the way. In fact, you know, you, you you might not have all the answers, but let's go find the answer, or I'll help you find the answer, or I'll go find the answer for you, right? I mean, you yep. know, you don't, There's no expectation that you have to know everything because you promoted, right? I
0: mean, and it's funny because we had this case. It was a little while ago. It was several years ago, right? So, in June twelfth. I will have been married for 30 years. And, and this is a few years back, maybe three or four. And the guy that I was working with at the time, great dude. Um, He uh, he's been married for a long time. He's been on the job a long time and we get this newly promoted officer. Who's at the time 31 or 32. Now we're late forties. I'm probably 49. So it was, yes, yeah, 40, 48. So it was like four, three or four years ago. And he comes in and he sits down and he starts pontificating on being, he got married like three years ago, two years ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he starts giving everybody his, his opinion on, on marriage and and all things. And finally I stopped him and I said, listen, dude, you're closer to my kid's age than my age. (laughs) I've been married almost as long as you've been alive. Like I'm not really interested in your pontification on what it takes to have a good marriage. Why don't you talk, come talk to me in 10 years when you've had a fight it's longer than you've been married. Like yeah. I've had fights that lasted had disagreements that lasted yeah. that long. Yeah. Like that's nothing that's like, it's so yeah. like, and, and that's just kind of that whole, like, well, now I'm an officer. I've got to know everything. I've got to be involved. Like my driver right now is phenomenal. Great, great driver. Um, understated, uh, been doing it a long time, been on the job longer than me. He's a little older than me. He's really into it. He likes to drill. I mean, he's everything that you would want from a senior member. I don't tell him what to do. Yeah. And when, the, when the rookie or the new firefighter comes to me and says, "Loot, I got a question on pumping. I'm like, great. Go ask Dan. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Go ask Bert. Yeah. Cause I didn't do that job. Yeah. I don't I understand it loosely but nowhere near what they they do yeah and
1: and it's it's
0: like yeah it's it's well we
1: talk we talk about humility a lot on this on this show and it's and you know you don't it takes some humility to to be able to and I'll say the word has a negative connotation to it but it's not meant to be that to pass the buck right but, you know if if someone has an engine if a, if a new rookie or an aspiring engineer has an engineer question and comes to the Lieutenant or the captain, you know, you don't have to have the answer, you know, ask the engineer, you know, and that that's okay. If you want to talk about, you know, you know, tactics or something like that. Sure. I mean, here I am. There's a, a new, a, an officer need not to have, be the expert in every topic there ever was. Can't be right. It can be as well, you know, can't be and shouldn't be. Um, right.
0: Like in the Marine Corps, the, the best sniper teaches sniping. not the highest ranked person
1: that highest ranked person is to
0: make sure things stay within the scope that they've defined. But yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's, a, it's an epidemic. Like it's, it's just something else. And, um, really Berlin, what I, mm, I think largely not completely, but largely it's ego. Yeah. Exactly. And I lack of confidence.
1: I would agree. Both.
0: And exactly. so you bluster and bravado yep. to make up for the holes.
1: Yeah. Instead of like, I got some fucking holes, let's do
0: some work and exactly. figure that's, out. That, that's holes. the thing
1: too is, is it, it's, it's one step to, to show that humility, but it's another step to, to seek out what you don't know. Right. It's like, you may not be the expert or something and you to, to publicly say, I don't know, but then how about taking it further? I need to bridge that gap of things that I don't know that I should know, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, and like, oops is okay. It is I okay. It, it like is okay. I, I didn't make, I, you know, and I, I just, that's the, you know, that's the, and, and, and really what it comes down to is most fire departments, mission statements for the fire department, as well as for the ranks is be nice to people and let's get along. That's not a mission statement. A mission statement is what are you supposed to be doing? And, uh, you know, and it should be bullet points, not an ongoing flowery statement. You can talk about how we are going to accomplish those things and the virtues and values that are, that our agencies have and how we're going to up, but that isn't a mission statement and, and we get, we get lost. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there's a real simple solution. It's going to be, it's a very simple, but it's going to be, um, very difficult to implement, which is we're the only in-service industry or, uh, excuse me, we're the only service that operates in our style of environment, compressed time, high stress, potentially mm-hmm. psychomotor skill that doesn't go out of practice or out of service to practice largely. So what if we saw and we could start to articulate to our city councils and our finance of our cities and our fire departments that investment in people Mm -hmm. is the single most important investment this agency can make because people are the only thing that if you invest in them and keep them engaged are worth more at retirement. Every other piece of equipment depreciates. So maybe we should be making the argument that we need officer candidate school. Yes. We need to hire tech writers to help us write documents because largely our industry is illiterate. Yes. We need to do this investment in our people. Like it's, it's so important and investment in is always thought of as time or as financial, mm-hmm. but real leadership is investing time, investing time. And when you do that, all of a sudden things work out and, you know, there's a million reasons why not. And I'm sure as I say this, there are people out there, if they're listening or going, yeah, yeah, sounds great. But, 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 but quit with the butts. Yeah. It needs to happen. If yeah. you want to fix it, you got to get to the core of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe we start, identifying what it is we do, what's our point, how we do it and what's acceptable and what's not, not, you know, not these statements that are largely mm, value. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 you know, and the values of the fire department are critical, but the mission, the values support the mission, not the other way around. How many fire departments say the mission of the fire department is all hazard service, that the life and property of the civilians that we serve is the single driving force. And that we want our people to exhibit these values in this pursuit. We want to have our people do these things in our pursuit. These are the expectations of what we have for our people. And now you actually have a mission statement because all that other stuff supports why we're here. Like, cause fundamentally Berlin, you could have a really shitty human that does a really good job. They don't have to be moral. They don't have to be, nice. They don't have to be any of those things. What they have to be able to do is to do their job well. And if they are nice and moral, that means there's more to it. Mm -hmm. But fundamentally, my wife will say, my wife will say, I don't, I mean, she's, she's like, I don't give a shit. If you work with nice people, I want you to work with competent people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how well they cook and how well the rookie can clean the heads don't matter to me. What matters to me is that rookie is as dialed in as they can be right now Mm -hmm. because you might not come home. If they're not, I'm not, and she's like, I'm not concerned with all the, the human parts of it. Mm -hmm. I want the performance part of it. That's the only thing I'm concerned with. And as a taxpayer, that's what I'm concerned with.
1: So real quick, Aaron, um, when you mentioned, uh, what you said a second ago about, you know, what's important. And if it's important, you got to put time into it. So, I guess the question is this you promote, right? You've done 21 over 20 years as a firefighter. You Aaron Mm -hmm. fields has went out and did, I'm going to just go out there and, and, and just say it. You went out and sought out how to be the best firefighter Aaron fields could be regardless of the organization provided the budget or the training for Aaron fields to be better. Right. There was an element of Aaron's going to do what Aaron needs to do to be the best he can be. You mentioned it. Sometimes uh, there isn't enough. We'll say, training, whether it be company officer training, whether it be, you know, you mentioned bring in, you know, an individual that could teach people how to write and communicate. There's, there's, there's an organization may or may not have that. How much is Aaron Fields going out to, to better himself now as a Lieutenant to, to find that training to be the best Lieutenant he can be versus waiting around to hope that his organization will buy training X, Y, Z.
0: My, my, my organization will not. Um, I mean, it's just, we don't have that tradition, not bad people. I'm not questioning subjective character. I am questioning objective, um, objective realities, right. Which are not, I mean, again, I never question a person's subjectivity. Their, their motivation is subjective. I assume the best of all people until that individual has given me reason to believe otherwise. That being said, um, there's no change. I do this. Like the biggest thing is the pursuit of the things that I do is the same Mm -hmm. in all things. It's not, I am not being a firefighter is not my identity. It is a manifestation of how I live my life. And I don't think uh, fundamentally, I think I'm one of the things I said early was, I think being a good leader is modeling and, and I'll model that at the end of the day, what the department will do for you is what the department will do for you. The question is, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to do the right thing? Or because do we blame it on the department? I have never blamed it on the department. It is it is an objective truth. Um, do I wish it was otherwise? Of course, but that doesn't mean I'm going to lament it. I'm not going to get bitter about it. It simply is. I'm going to assume the best of everyone involved. They just don't have the ability to to execute that. So whatever. But my skill set and my uh, oath. And my motivation require me to be responsible for me. I love it. And that, and that is, that's the end of it. Like I'm tired of, I, I grow weary of some of the, the rhetoric in our industry. i I've, I've I'm a little older and I've been at it for a little while now and I've heard it all before. And what I want to see is I want to see people that are like, yeah, I'll do what the department wants me to do. And if I'm not comfortable with it, I'll do more. And you can't do more on everything. You got to pick your battles, but, or pick your focus, but it's up to you. It's not up to the department. The department has done what they agreed to do from this point on. It's on you. And really, if we model the right way to do it, then you have four of your, still on probation recruits on a four day flying down to texas to do the full class because what they got was the seattle version of it and they decided they wanted to be better at it so they fly down on their own when you have people emailing you and saying listen would you be willing to meet us after work or I've got a drill field in my volunteer? Could you come out and we, you know, or more importantly, I'm coming to you. I saw that class is going to be right in my backyard. I'm coming to you. I want to do this. Or, and then what do you think I should do next? Like I want to keep involved with this program because this isn't a one-time thing, but what should be the next thing that I look at? Yeah. And and really if we model doing that ourselves, then we create the people that are skilled enough to actually teach it because they've been students. They are students. The first part of being quote unquote, an instructor is being a student and realizing that it is not, there's no end game. You are continually doing it or you are no longer relevant. And that's Uh like why, um, why I, I let people come back to any class that they've ever, that I do. And I, I do the drilling for function. And then this one, and once they've and nozzle forward and then once they take it, they can come back forever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's because the class when you took it is different than the class today. It's the same principles. Mm-hmm. It's the same mechanics, but it's organized so much more articulately yeah. because Every night I go back to my hotel room and I take notes on what went well and what went wrong. And now I have 18 people that do the same. And guess what we do when we sit down at dinner, we talk about our notes, we compare and contrast and, and we, we experiment and that's the way it goes. I mean, I think that's the, that's the way it is. And if it's not worth doing, in my opinion, if it's not worth doing like that, then it's probably a waste of time. Yeah. I, whether I, it's I, your friendships, whether it's coaching, whether it's your marriage, like you only have so much time and how you spend it is who you are. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, I'm really worried that we're not, not I, don't, I don't mean to say that I have anxiety, but my, people sometimes, will, you know, one of the get to know you questions, we play this game every day on the engine, which is, It's get to know you. It can't be vulgar and it can't be mean. It's questions like, Oh, you've done some heinous stuff. You're about to be put to death. What's your last meal? It's stuff like uh, what's your spirit animal? What two statues, if you had to put two stone statues in your front yard, what would they be? You know uh, all these kinds of silly things, but there's also real ones. Like, what are you afraid of?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And for me, my fear is not being able to complete the missions that I set out to do. My fear is taking that past the point, like when the mission is done, part of being good at things is realizing it's done Mm -hmm. and move on and, and find another thing. And, you know, I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't um, I don't do unnecessary stuff on the online. My, my, my online life is, access, not a life.
2: Yeah.
0: And that affords me the opportunity to put my energy into the things that are in front of me. Uh, this, this time with you, the, my wife, my kids, I can do it right now because they're not here, but yeah. if they were here, they would be the mission.
1: Well, yeah. Priorities, boundaries. And I mean, like you said, it's, if you can tell what someone's committed to by where they put their time in their day. Right? If, right, if if their time in the day is scattered and they can't even remember what they did, what are they good at? Versus someone has on their calendar their one or two or three things that are important to them. You understand what's important to that individual. You understand what gets done because they prioritize their time. And and there's no exactly. such thing as save time. Yeah, it's exactly. Spent. You it's spent. It. You're not getting it back. Yeah, it's
0: done. No, no, That's it's a no. brain trick.
1: Yeah, it is. It totally is. And yeah. I was listening on the pod on a, on a separate podcast, Seth Godin, the author, the other day. He says. When people see the, you know, the oh, I don't have time for the he goes, he what he says is, and I actually adopted this just recently. He says, Wipe your calendar. He says, Wipe your your calendar of all the things that are there, you know, the the recurring things, the oh, you do your PT at this time, you do your lunch at this time, you go to bed and do, you know, clean the bathrooms and station at this time. Wipe it all and then re-enter things from priority because the priority is what needs to be in there first, instead of, well, we can't do that today because you know, we gotta right. you know decon the station phones today because it's always there on the calendar. How about you wipe that? You put in what's important, and then you do the deconning of station phones after the fact, right? Yep. Um, and that's, that's yeah. That. We we
0: define our day by what we don't have time for, instead exactly. of what we
2: are what, exactly. what we
0: are going to be able to do. And the other one is, I think this is a big one, right? And and this is, um, I read a lot, and uh, I have mostly nonfiction, but every once in a while, especially if there's a historical aspect or an anthropology aspect or a linguistic aspect, I, because those are my interests, I'll, uh, I'll read fiction. And one of my favorite fiction authors, who was actually from Tacoma originally, a guy named Frank Herbert, and he wrote a series of, of books that were quote unquote science fiction, but they're actually actually, anthropology that's it's an anthropology book hidden with spaceships and one of the things he said he had all of these kind of prolific things that he was quoted as saying and one of them which i think is very relevant today more than it was when it was written in the 60s is that once men mankind excuse me once mankind thought that turning their thinking over to machines would set them free and all it really did is allow other men with machines to enslave them yeah. Well, it's, think about how much of the distraction of P that people have, like if you got fired Berlin, yeah. for, you're, you're not, but let's just say you did. If yeah. I did, I'd take up petty crime. Yeah. I would just walk around on the street and wait and see somebody that had their head down on their phone. I'd clunk them on the head and take their, it'd be petty theft. I'd take all their digital shit and yeah. I go sell it. No one would ever see you because they're not looking up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's jump to this. I love this. So non-negotiable, Aaron. So we asked this of our speakers, there's something um, we try to narrow it to one, unless there's more than one, the most important thing. something that's non-negotiable, right? You have been in this, the fire service for many years. You are a leader of all kinds, whether it be leader at the engine company level, whether it be leading of teaching with leader of a crew uh, leader of the training division, whatever have you, what's a non-negotiable item for you as a leader behaviors, traits, anything? Oh. What's a non-negotiable item?
0: Yeah, one of the non-negotiables is act like an adult. Be the an ambassador of what the fire service needs and an advocate for the the new person's success. Um, don't speak from a position of emotion. Uh, don't rage, don't yell, don't scream. We had a guy recently in our academy before I got down there that would, lieutenant, would throw chairs and don't do any of that shit. Yeah. That's not beneficial. Um it's my it is treat people with dignity and respect regardless of their of who they are or where they come from. And regardless if they're new to the industry or not treat them the way that you would want them to treat someone that you cared about. Yeah. And realize that they're there because at some I mean there's a few that are there that just want the schedule but most people come into the fire service wanting with good intention. And like, why don't we, why don't we reward that? Why don't we reward them taking initiative when they're on the drill field, not, not yell at them for not taking initiative and then yell at them when they go to do something that they haven't been instructed on, but they're taking initiative and they do it wrong. You're, you're punishing initiative there. There's no benefit in them stepping out. What you should be doing is, is, saying nice job i appreciate you stepping up hey in the future make this choice and this is why yeah. um but that's what's not negotiable what not is not, is is how we treat other people and our own professional not personal disposition yeah. um i can be friendly and not a friend yeah uh, exactly. until until they've gone through several the the requisite steps right yeah. But I can take it to the next step, which is what is not negotiable for me ever is my ethics. I never will. I will walk away from something and have done it. And I'm on the record as doing it because I don't agree with it. I ethically, I am on my last breath. I will never have. I, my goal is not to compromise my ethics and my ethics revolve around the pursuit. Of being humane. And that is a verb, not a noun. The ability of a human being to be humane is a choice that is often making that is often with own personal well-being at the second that you're looking out. And that's that is that is what I believe. And I have never in the pursuit of my career, in whether it be in the fire department or my outside fire department stuff. Uh, have, have ever had to compromise those things. And I'm very deliberate about it. I know what my ethics are. Yeah. I have identified them because I, I've gone through the steps that you read the books and had the internal conversations and the external conversations. And, and really that's it. Right. I mean, the, what you asked me was what's the non-negotiable when dealing with new firefighters and stuff like that. And I told you, but that it comes back to the principle of being humane and I'm so far, there's been a lot of stuff that I haven't wanted to do, but like little things like NIMS, I, 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 none of us need NIMS, Like, yeah. come on, let's be real, right? We don't, it, it's a federal thing. There's a reason for it, but it's way above our grade, but they make us go through it. That's not a questioning of ethics. That's a questioning of preferences. Ethics are those core components from which you define how you are pursuing your life. Right. And I think we, as a society have gotten into malleable ethics for convenience. And, and that is dangerous when we pursue, pursue leisure and pursue things that aren't moral. And that's, um. That that's it. That's that's what's not negotiable. And Perfect. um. Yeah. That's so.
1: All right. Well, the next part of this, Aaron, is a a really really quick. It's a rapid fire. We call it rapid fire because uh, the point of this podcast is to give also individuals something tangible, something that they can go out. You know, after they resonate with your message here today, to go out and start doing. If, so, if they do, yeah. No, and they will. And if anything, it's it's, it's me, but they will. But we have three groups that we talk to. One is that newer individual, that newer employee, it could be a recruit firefighter, probationary firefighter. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is the emerging leader. It could be a new company officer, an aspiring company officer, someone that's, you know, new supervisor. And then the senior established leader, chief officer, something like that. So uh, the point of the podcast, again, is to give people a tangible item. So according to Aaron Fields and your experience as a leader, offer some tip or an action item for a newer employee to start growing as leaders. Um, self-drive, self-drive, self-study,
0: uh, take what the fire department gives you, get into the bibliography and deep dive, find something to deep dive in right away. It's going to take years. It takes, you know, there's some magic number with 12. There's some magic number with 20. Um, there's some magic number with five, four or five. Yeah. So, you know, keep, I mean, if you think about it, trade school is four years. Bachelor's is four years. Yeah. PhD is eight years. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, you know it's 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 just weird multiples that it takes time. So find whatever it is that floats your boat and deep dive in it, awesome. and don't forget why you're here.
1: There it is. How about the newer and uh, the newer company officer, a newer supervisor, maybe aspiring lieutenant or captain or chief? What's something that they could do now today to grow as leaders in their positions?
0: Keep studying. And maybe you've hit a point in your career where the material that you initially deep dove into, you've got a really good handle on and something else has piqued your interest. Find it, drive into it, dive into it and repeat what you did in your first bit of time. The other one is now you are at a position where you're starting, hopefully, to have some credibility and to, and to reach out. And you've got the breadth of understanding and skills that you can share include. Don't, don't push people away, find do the history and find out why the old guys are doing the things they were doing so that when you're coming in with something new, it's not new as in you've been doing it wrong. It's new as to this point, it's new as in we can, incorporate your experience into what we are doing. That mid-level era, I think is the difficult one because one of the really difficult ones, because you, you are starting to have some credibility and maybe be able to make some decisions. And what ends up happening is you've got all the right, it's, it's, it's about bringing people on board. And I think that that level has to remember, um, we, we speak in, we not I. I is experience. We is the standard issue. So include those senior members and those
1: junior members experience into the collective we. Perfect. Um, yep. Perfect. And then how about the individual that's been there 25, 30 years? It could be a chief officer. It doesn't have to be chief officer. Someone that's been there a long time. Someone yeah. that has all the experience in, the, in, the, in that organization. What's one thing they could do now to grow as leaders, to be better mentors and so forth?
0: The, the same thing. Um, find something and deep dive into it. And as you grow, that interest isn't going to always be the same. They're going to overlap. And if you've really done it right at this point, you're going to be acquiring greater depths of understanding much more rapidly because you're going to be repeating in well-practiced methodology. The, the other, um, the other one, and this is big, right? Really important the conversations that are going to be had with the middle level and the newer folks are going to be repeat mm-hmm. that you, you will probably have had those discussions multiple times before. I'll give you an example. I don't need to talk about fire behavior. I have enough understanding of it after 20 plus years to be able to work the rest of my career and quote, need nothing more on a personal level, but if someone reaches out to me and comes up and says, can you explain this? Even though I've explained this phenomena thousands of times, that conversation has to be had because if your people need the conversation, then it is your job to have the conversation. And when it becomes too much and it's a nuisance and it's a burden, it's time to go. There you go. And always make time like, I had an incident recently and I know I'm, I'm friends with the person. I, 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 I like them. But if I come into your office and ask you something and you don't even look up off your computer because you're so freaking busy, that's insulting. That Mm -hmm. is lacking of that lacks manners. I don't, I don't give a shit about what rank you are. You don't do that to people. If you don't have time, you say, hold on, I don't have time for this. I got to finish what's in front of me. This is my prior, Like Just give me 15 minutes, a half hour. Let's talk tomorrow. But when you say that, you look someone in the eyes. And yeah. if you can't do that, then you're doing it wrong. You're, you're allowing to. So make sure that you make time for people because people are more important than paper
1: every fucking day. And go. that's, that's I what I think. I love it. I'm going to add a bonus here. Um, right. Usually it's those three tips, but I'm going to add a fourth because uh, Aaron Fields, you know, master instructor, someone that, you know, just is, is very passionate about teaching and mentoring. So give the tip for the newer instructor, the newer mentor, someone that's aspiring to teach classes, go into the training division, someone that's just a brand new mentor but firefighter or someone else. What's one thing they could do to become better at those things?
0: Well, I think the main thing is a degree of humility. Um, uh, the The pursuit to do those has to be internal, not external. You like one of the first things when someone has asked me in the past, like, Hey, I want to get into teaching. How do I do it? Don't want to teach. Don't want to teach. You shouldn't want, if, if what you're pursuing is the attention of teaching, then you by definition will not be a good coach.
2: Um,
0: what you should be in love with the process, the process of education, not and that is ongoing and continual yeah. and it it's concentric circles. And then the, the, I guess the other part of it is like, if you are really doing your job the right way with the right intent, uh, your people will start to that you, that you're quote unquote mentoring will start providing feedback for you mentorship for you Um, you know, part of, it's, it's a really interesting thing in that the nozzle forward cadre only teaches with the nozzle forward cadre. We don't teach with anybody else. If you coach with me, you don't go and do like that happens all the time where two big names are like, Hey, I got nothing going. Why don't we go together? Mm -hmm. I've been on classes where the people are doing that. And somebody that's got a big name is using a piece of equipment that they've never used. Mm -hmm. but because it's the right person and the right name, they're going to teach it though. They've never done it actually. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the, the things is it shouldn't be about the person. I really, I mean, when you say master instructor, that's uncomfortable when, you know, some of the stuff that has, I've been recognized for is uncomfortable because fundamentally it is in the pursuit of my own job. And, and it's, it's a weird kind of relationship. And I don't like the personal attention and my cadre doesn't like the personal attention. What we do love is the process. And I think that the, the, the cool thing is, is if you really do it right, interact with people, right? The relationship is twofold. And there's, there'll be a time when all of a sudden people that, Maybe you were providing some guidance to in a particular arena will start to provide and do things in which they, you would do. And it goes, it kind of, I mean, I give you an example of this to be more clear, because that's a little vague. Um, I had a captain that took some interest, and a lot of what I do with Building Breakdown was sparked by his investment in his crew. And we would do these things where we'd go out and we'd walk these buildings and talk and he'd, oh, we missed the stairs. And how do you get 300 feet of two? And everybody would give their opinion of getting a particular amount of hose to a particular story. And we would walk it and we'd draw out the building and we'd miss the stairs and, and all of these things. And I found out years later that he knew, he knew when we missed the stairs, he knew what hose stretch he wanted. He never told us what to think or do he took us through the process of doing it. Mm -hmm. And when I asked him about it, I'm like, if you knew we missed the stairs, why don't you just say so? And he's like, because I wouldn't have taught you how to process it. He's like, I was trying to show you guys to take you through my process for making decisions so that when I wasn't there, you would make, you would come to the same conclusion that I would come to instead of telling you what I'm looking for so that you try to mimic it. And I think that's, kind of the the the, the, that's it really i mean i I don't think he could articulate it but if you do it right that's what happens
1: i love it process and humility i mean how can you argue with that being a when being a mentor an instructor a teacher someone is trying to show someone else a craft or a skill or a technique i mean when he was largely out of the way yeah
0: we were the ones doing all the talking yeah he was prompting the conversation. He was steering it, but at the end he would go, okay, this is the building. I like your idea for plan one. I like your idea for plan two. And I like your plan idea for plan three. Here's why it wasn't his idea. It was we, 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 it wasn't you miss the stairs. We missed the stairs. It wasn't, this is what I want you to do. This is what we are going to do. And this is why we would do it. Oh, and no. that was like it. It was subtle. It took years to actually, I think, unpack it, yeah. because I was I was like, oh, that's cool. It was you know awesome. I was new, and it was like, yeah, fuck yeah, this guy's really into it, and this is awesome, awesome. And then later, it took years before I was like, well, that was damn subtle.
2: Yeah,
0: and that's right. it. That's it. Mentorship isn't always obvious. It isn't it's, always obvious. There you go. No, and you okay. got to get out of the way sometimes.
1: Oh. I love it. (laughs) Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, Um, We do a a leadership challenge each episode as well. So this is actually how we close each episode. So what this is, uh, because our goal with this podcast is simple, is to grow leaders and to continue to spread the conversation. So leadership is a thing. It continues. It never ends. Uh, We want to engage as many people as we can along the way. So what we do is we ask our guest speaker, if willing, Aaron, to call out an individual or to challenge them on this podcast, we reach out to them and ask them if they would like to share their philosophy and stories and experiences on leadership. So I'll ask, Aaron, is there an individual out there? It could be fire service. It could be not fire service. It could be a mentor. It could be someone that you resonate with, anybody, and uh, someone that you would like to uh, call out to speak leadership with us on the kitchen table. Um,
0: yeah, I have, I have two guys. I, I mean, well, I have 18 that I could tell you.
2: Right
1: off the <laughs> Well, that, 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 that'd, that'd work. work and I'd reach out to every single one of them. But uh, if, if that's, if that's your challenge, they're a fair game. But I, uh, no, I, um, I, I, I think
0: I'm going to, in for the record, both of these folks are going to be super uncomfortable with this. Um, but I have done more with, um, a guy named Nate Jamison and Nate has been teaching with me for a long time. I can get you his contact information. He might be, I mean, for as far as teaching hours, he is, I think nobody in my cadre has it. Uh, As far as teaching philosophy, uh, nobody in my cadre has as much time. He and I sitting and talking Um, he's, he's, um, He works in Denver fire um, and he was from Lawrence, Kansas and did, Oh God, I don't know. 12 or 14 years. There was a Lieutenant and then went over to Denver. And the other guy, um, interestingly enough uh, is one of is is, works in Seattle. um, And his name is Jordan Legan. and Jordan is another one of the nozzle forward instructors. That's done quite a bit and has, taken what our methodology and has expanded it to provide more structure and information for our curriculum. So, um, legan who used to work in, he started as a volunteer in Colorado and then he went to, uh, Fairfax, Virginia, and has now been in, in Seattle and he's, he's architecting or he and I, I mean, the the cool thing about the cadre of folks is we're always all working together. It's always funny to me in Seattle when someone's like, Hey, did you know what Lujan or, yeah. or, uh, or, or, or Legan had to say? And I'm like, I do. I knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. We talk all the time. Right. So, yeah. um, Legan, uh, has is architecting a lot of, uh, and that's a pun because he just got done with his pun because he just got done with his master's degree in architecture. But um, the, he, he's architecting a lot of systems and procedural stuff and ways of looking at building construction within our agency, and is using the same methodology that, that we use in the nozzle forward that he's learned from almost you know over a decade of working with us and um, working together. So those would be the two that I think, awesome. and I think they both will cringe a little. <laughs> um, but they are no question they are uh, they are on the forefront within leadership of within this industry
1: well thank you well either way um i'll gather the contact uh at a later time and i'll i'll reach out and again you know no uh, you know no uh you know no uh no hard feelings if they would rather not speak that's totally okay as well it's, yeah. it's always fun right. just to reach out say hello and uh, some people will, will, will want, and some people won't. And that's totally, that's totally fine. Right. Uh, yep. That's totally okay. But, uh, but if for all, the sake of time, I'll prelude them. I'll, yeah, I'll, awesome. I'll give them a heads up. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate that. But I do appreciate your time today. I'm sure myself and all our listeners will resonate heavily with this, uh, with this message as all of us know nozzle forward. And a lot of us are our listeners here are from the Seattle area. So with that, I thank you everybody for listening to the, to the kitchen table. We truly hope you found this time valuable, and we hope that Aaron here has inspired you to take action and to lead. For now, be safe, be intentional, and stay curious.